This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each and every week by the lone member. Not you. Not you, the listener. There's only one person in the glory kickboxing hall of fame and it's my co-host bazooka joe valvini and i will say yep. that until another person is inducted that's it yeah keep saying it but still even when there's a second i will still be that first, the inaugural you member know? you'll become the inaugural that's it yeah. i'll always be the first and that's what matters that's so, pretty cool yeah, yeah you get is. to live life every day knowing that you're the first member of the hall of fame of the sport yeah that's pretty cool. i was i was happy to be the first canadian to win like a major kickboxing world title which obviously is huge but then all of a sudden, it's like when you hear that Hall of Fame, I'm like, man, that's the goal. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's kind of cool now because I never – I don't think I really appreciated it until like I started hearing these UFC guys when they start announcing or they announce old boxers that they're in the Hall of Fame. I'm like, dang, that is, that is pretty cool. you know. Like mm -hmm. It hasn't really fully uh, kicked in because I'm only 36 years old, which is crazy you know, to be a world champion and in the Hall of Fame at 36. Like pretty impressive. Because yeah, you're still the age of a, a guy who could be champion. Like Michelle Pereira exactly. is 34, right? So it's just, you know. You're not yep. that far removed from a guy who was just a double champ in the sport. That's it. So, yeah, I'm happy about it still. Is there a kickboxing but, hall of fame, like another kickboxing hall of fame? Um, no, because I think it's more like um, like the UFC. It's um, organization-based. Because mm -hmm. um, kickboxing is very – everyone sticks to their own organization. Where boxing, they all come together with the promoter, so they can probably do something more sport-based. But uh, – you know, Glory being the biggest sports organization for kickboxing, that's the the most important one. Yeah, well, there you go. See, that's a that's a pretty cool thing. That's something nobody can take away from you. So that's it. You know. Yeah. We'll keep talking about it every single week. Uh, every single now, week, we will never forget. Here's my big question coming out of the weekend: Whose stock was raised more in the main event, Max Holloway's or Yair Rodriguez? Because even though Yair Rodriguez lost that fight, it seems he's the talk of the town. Yeah, I I'm gonna say Yair. To be honest with you, I think. Him having the two-year layoff, seeing how good Max Holloway did against Calvin Cater and those kind of uh, performances he had recently. I think Yair, I think, exceeded his expectations for this fight, to be honest with you. And I think uh, the way he scrapped, the way he pushed Max, um, I was impressed. And I enjoy his fighting style, to be honest. Very fun. Well, there were three really close rounds in that fight. Like, I'm not making a case that Yair should have won or anything like that. But rounds one, two, and five were very close. Yeah. Calf kicks. I don't know why he stopped throwing them. I know, you know? right? Like that was like the know, one thing you... that people haven't really done to Max, and and really, that's the thing that people should do to Max. And Max doesn't really threaten to take down very often. Like he's not a guy yeah. that's going to look to take you down. And and with those like long skinny legs, because I mean you look at Usman and Usman, that's like the part of his body that is kind of uh, the least big, I guess, or his legs. He kind of got stick legs. Yeah, um, calves for sure. Yeah, so people can attack his legs, but then you're opening yourself up to getting taken down, which is his bread and butter. Whereas with Holloway, yeah, he's going to want to keep it on the feet. I mean, the, the big thing with Holloway, though, is if you're going for calf kicks and leg kicks, you're opening yourself up to some pretty bad counters. Like, yeah. Max, Max has really good timing. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's the uh, the number one thing. It's the counter punches versus the kick. But that's where I'm always preaching. It's the timing of the low kick. You have to hit it on the exit. If you're leading with your low kick, yeah, Max is going to smack you with some punches, especially his good straight punches and the volume he throws him at. But uh, they were still landing. I still think that was uh, Yair's best shot. You got to think he was limping into the corner going into that third, I, I'm pretty sure. And he was probably a few more shots away from uh, the consistency of uh, finishing the leg. So I'm one of those people, and you know I rant about it every week. When it's hurt, you got to keep going. You got to stop headhunting and um, 
But mm-hmm. so you mean, saw Yair's foot at the end of the fight too, right? Yeah. It was like a yeah. Balloon. But he said it. He's like, I'm a kicker. Man, my feet and my shins look like that after every single fight. I don't think there was a fight where my feet and ankles weren't blown up. My shins used to at least put of, I would say honestly, half an inch to an inch of like fluid. I used to be able to push my thumb into my shin about an inch deep Jeez. of that much swelling. Every single fight. I tell my fighters now, I'm like, if your shins aren't swollen and banged up, you didn't kick enough. Start mm-hmm. kicking. We're kickers at my gym. So I encourage my guys. I'm like, if your shins got to be sore after those fights. I've broken my foot, my toes, my the bones everywhere. Like, it's a, it's a kicker's thing. You got to remember, like, I kick more than anyone probably in the world. And it happens all the time. So um, part of the kicking game. Can you drain that? Like, can you take your ear and put a needle in that and drain out the fluid? Uh, no, it's just more of just uh, resting it. It'll go okay. down in a couple days. Hmm. Yeah, it'll go down. But yeah, every single fight, my shins were so sore for about two months. At, like at least two months, I probably wouldn't be able to throw my right kick on a bag because I just damaged it so much in the fight. So yeah, it's part of the game. That's the those are the good injuries. That's so, those are the ones you want. So when you're landing those though, like over the course of five rounds, for example, like that fight. Like, the, is there a time where you're just like, I can't do this anymore because it hurts so much? Or do you just fight through the pain as just you're on adrenaline and you don't really even feel it? Uh, you just keep kicking. You just keep going. You don't feel it till after, to be honest. But even he'll know that something is wrong. But uh, it, And every time he lands it, it's going to hurt. But, but still, I mean, it's just a matter of maybe... Like, when you become a really experienced kicker, and I mean, again, I mean, I'm someone who considers myself an experienced kicker. If my foot is sore... With my right shin, I'm just going to hit with my shin, not my foot. I'll step in deeper. I know how to kick with different parts of my foot or my shin where I won't hit it. It still happens if, say, it moves. I'm going for my shin. They move. It hits the foot. But there is still ways to use other parts of the leg to be able to land it. Okay. It's still great. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not trying to criticize the, the, the calf kick. But it could have been better. And I think you could have gotten a finish. I like how you say uh, I consider myself an experienced kicker. Like, is somebody going to argue with you about that? No, but I mean, it's still, yeah. No, but I mean, if you ask me what's my best thing, it's my kicks, yeah. you know? I think if you ask anybody that, down. that's your, yeah. that's the answer. Yeah, true. And it's what but, you got uh, you the game. Yeah, it's the, but I mean, this is where the timing, the issues, Max being experienced. What did Max do a little bit more? He pressured more, you know? Like, Max adapted well, so you can't put it all on your ear. And, uh, uh, but Max just, I think the pressuring, the adapting, like you said, the countering punches versus the kick, he, uh, he made the right, uh, adjustments. Now, the big question is, do we see the, another fight with Volkanovski? Yeah, well, what is else is the there? Move? Like, yeah. What else is there at Featherweight, right? Like, it's not like there's somebody waiting for Volkanovski right now. Like, who else? Who else can you think of? Are you excited for it? Yeah, very, very or excited. Is, because or is it one of those. Eh, again? Well, I mean, those are two really close fights. I mean, I think that the first fight was definitively Volkanovski's, but the second fight, I, I gave it to Volkanovski. But I understand why people made a case to give it to Holloway. And, and that said, I also haven't rewatched it since I got more familiar with the scoring criteria. Um, so that's something I need to do as well. But that was, a, it was such a super close fight. Max, you could make a case as the greatest featherweight ever, or at least second behind Aldo. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Volkanovski's getting into that mix too, right? Like, you know, the, the amazing thing about Max is that he's not 30 yet. Like, you look at the amount of things. And Aldo was kind of the same. Like, Aldo had some major accolades. I put out the numbers, actually. What him, him being Max Holloway, uh, Aldo and Conor McGregor had done before they were the age of 30. I can pull it up if you're interested. Like, if, yeah, if you want, yeah, if you sure. want to hear the resumes, like, they're, they're both, they're all, all three are very impressive. Obviously, Conor ha- didn't have as many fights as those guys did before the age of 30 in the UFC, but still a very impressive um, resume yeah. nonetheless. So here we go. So 
elite featherweights before their 30th birthday. So Aldo, if you take his just WEC and UFC, so his Zufa, mm-hmm. 16-1, and 12-1 uh, in title bouts, including interim title bouts. Significant strikes landed, 772. Significant strikes absorbed, 492, and nine finishes in, in those 17 fights. So that's really impressive. I mean, again, yeah. in his thir- before he hit the age of 30, he was 12-1 and one in title bouts. So he was in 13 title fights. It's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. Against Unreal. top guys, right? Like, yeah. So Conor McGregor was 9-1 uh, and one in the UFC uh, before he turned 30. He was 3-0 and oh in title bouts, including interim title bouts. Um, and I might have made a mistake on that. I might have actually been 4-0. Oh. I think the Eddie fight I'm missing from this. Um, and I don't think he had turned 30 before the Eddie. I, I think he was still under 30 when he fought Eddie. Um, significant strikes landed 473. Significant strikes absorbed 370. Eight finishes. So he has one less finish than Aldo. And that's in like 10. It was either 10 or 11 less. fights. Yeah, wow. So, great finishing rate for Connor. Um, Holloway, 18-6 and six record in the UFC. Title bouts, including interim uh, record, is 5-3. and three. Significant strikes landed. This is the crazy part. 2,618 significant strikes landed. 26. And now, you can add the Yair fight onto this, because he's still not 30. So, you can add yeah. the 200-plus from Yair. So, we're talking... I think it's 3,000 now. I think he broke 3,000, if I'm not mistaken. Um, or got or got sorry it was 3,000 total strikes but significant strikes he's like nearly 3,000 significant strikes absorbed is 1,652 so that's still like if you combine the significant strikes landed by Aldo and Conor McGregor that's this is still a higher number than, than that yeah, it's a massive yeah. number and uh, 11 finishes so he has more finishes than those guys but also a lot more fights so in 24 yeah. fights he has 11 finishes that's very impressive the one thing that uh Scares me a little bit is uh, Holloway still eating some big shots even though he's dishing them out, he's right? He's never been so, finished, right? Like, that's the thing. It's He's just got this tough, invincible chin. I mean, the way he eats shots and keeps coming, it's it's something crazy. And it doesn't seem like I know a lot of people are starting to question, can he continue to eat these shots? And he's showing, yeah, he can. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's very impressive the way he can uh, – just keep moving forward with that pressure that he has. But you got to think, Volkanovski, what was it, the first or the second one? I believe it was the first Volkanovski where he really attacked Holloway's legs, right? Yeah, the first one. So, again, seeing that fight again, you got to think that options uh, could be the kryptonite to Max if, you, if you're consistent. I want to see what percentage of the fight of the strikes went to the head for Yair. So, Yair, yeah, it was 49% of the shots that he landed were to the head. But 35% were leg and 15% were body. He was doing really good body work, and so was Max. Yeah, Max, I was going to say, Max made the adjustment going to the body. And then I, there's a few moments you've seen uh, Yair kind of cover up that liver. Yeah, yeah. very nice. And Max uh, didn't, wasn't outlanded by Yair in a single round, though, so in terms of significant strikes. Uh, the closest round was the first round, which was a difference of one. Max landed one more shot. But Max's accuracy was way higher than Yair's as well during, during the fight. Yeah. I even loved the years when he mixed the head kicks in. Like, that was the fun, like, low kick, low kick, high kick. Like, that was the fun that I saw. There was a few head kicks that Yair threw. They were, they were close. There were some good, you know, level changing with his kick. So, yeah, I like, from that original question, I think Yair really grew on me. I think he's uh, definitely in there for some fun fights in the future. Well, I think he grew on everybody. I think he was kind of having this reputation of being somebody who wasn't very active, who wasn't fighting Zabit, like was pulling out yeah, of those Zabit fights. And Zabit pulled out, out of some of those, those fights too, in fairness. So yeah. I think he, this was really good for Yair Rodriguez's stock, like I said. I think his stock went up more than Max's did, just from that loss, because we saw what Yair Rodriguez was made of. And, you know, all the seasons that I've watched of The Ultimate Fighter, there were only two fighters that really stood out to me 
um, that I said, like, these guys could really be stars. And one of them was Yair Rodriguez, the other was Usman. Like, just from watching the later seasons of The Ultimate Fighter, um, I just remember mm. thinking, like, both these guys, like, are going places. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So Yair, I still think, um, is not quite there yet. But how old is Yair? Yair is still pretty young, too, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was 22 when he was on The Ultimate Fighter. He was in his early 20s. Let's see. So he's still in his 20s, you think? I think he's still in his 20s. I'm going to check. Might be off on that. And but, he's with Mark Henry, I believe, right? No, yeah, he travels a lot. He goes to a lot of different places. So he trained. He was, was training with, uh, I think it was Cejudo for some of this camp. He trained with uh, Valley Valley Flow Systems in Chicago, okay, where yeah. um, Bilal Muhammad trains and a lot of others. Mike Valley, right? I yeah, Mike Valley. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, sorry, yeah. So yeah, you just turned twenty nine last month. Yeah. So he's still in his twenties. Um, where else did he train? He's he's trained at Jackson Wink. He's trained at the at the Cowboys. Uh, ranch. He's trained oh. at uh, King's MMA. Like he just trains in a lot of different places. Well, he looked good. Whatever he's doing, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he, he's just an excellent fighter, and he always has been. I, I always think he's been a little bit underrated, um, just because of. Uh, again, I, if you look at the last four years of his career, he's fought four times, right? And one of them is that no contest, a fifteen-second fight, no contest, eye poke. In Mexico against Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens, and that yeah. one was the other the fight with the Korean Zombie, where he was losing that fight and he landed yeah. the elbow, right? So, I mean, if anything was going to enhance his reputation, it was probably that. But then you see all the stuff that happened after that with Zabid and that fight and falling apart and him taking a long layoff. You know, like all these things play into the psyche of the uh, the fight fan. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the thing is just him getting out there, and I think after two years to have a performance, I think now um, he keeps his spot. I mean, where do you see him going next from there? Well, that's the big question. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm going to go pull up the rankings, but uh, he should be fighting like a top five guy next, I think. Like, I, 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 I heard think. a few people mentioning Ortega could be That fun. would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Ortega that's would make a lot of sense. That's people are thinking. I like that fight a lot. Um, but, yeah, you got to keep him at the top. Like, I still think that you, you see how competitive he was, is with Max. If he can get – and that was on a two-year layoff, right? So he's actually currently ranked number three. So he's already fought Zombie. Calvin Cater is matched up right now, but that, that's one that could make sense. Um, another interesting yeah. one would be Giga Chikadze. Like if, I, I was if, just going to say Giga, Giga ends up beating... Be who's Giga fighting again? Uh, Calvin. He's fighting Calvin. Calvin, Calvin right? and Cater. So yeah. whoever wins that fight would be a good matchup for uh, Yair yeah, as well. I agree with that. So that, that would be great. He's got to stay in that mix, in my opinion. Like that, That's where he's at. Even, uh, I mean, again, lower in the rankings, but uh, Burgos could be fun. Oh, that would be, yeah. If you want to put on a fun fight, there's no shortage of those yeah. three here. There's Edson Barboza. Burgos could be yeah. very fun. Burgos, you know? Barboza, Dan Ige would be a fun fight. Ige. There's yeah, a lot we of We haven't heard Ige's yeah. name. Ige's taking a little break. No, I feel like I he's, he's had like, a, a I think he's got a fight run. lined up. Okay. I feel like he was very consistent Josh there when he was fighting Calvin. That makes sense. Yeah, I think he's fighting Josh Emmett next. It was announced recently. Yeah. So uh, Josh yeah. Josh Emmett is another uh, what am I going to call him like a secret crawler? He's up at number seven, just sitting there. Well, it's because he, he got injured badly in that injured last fight. He's back, been dealing with injuries yeah. for the last couple of years. But man, that guy's got power, right? Like yeah. that guy can that guy can land in that uh, in this division. Uh, I just don't know how much time he's got left to get to the top, right? Like I think he's thirty five or something now, Josh Emmett. But he's uh, he's kicking around, that's for sure. Um, anything else from this card? Uh, the Rogerio de Lima defeats Ben Rothwell. Another Herb Dean blunder Weird. at the end of that fight. Yeah, yeah I want to get your point on that. Is like, are people going too hard on Herb Dean right now? Or no, because it... he keeps doing it. He keeps he keeps touching these guys while they're in the middle of fighting. 
He wants to call it off. Then he realizes the other guy isn't done yet, and he tries to move back. You can't do that to a fighter. You're gonna me you mess up the entire fight in the, the in the mind of the person that's attacking at that time. If a referee touches you, the fight is over. Like, unless yeah. they're trying to like move into a different position, the fight is over. Don't pretend that we didn't see it. We we're <laughs> yeah. watching the fight. We yeah, see what happened. Rogério de Lima yeah. felt it. He looks at him and he's like, "Is the fight over?" You gotta yeah. listen. Herb Dean is a good referee most of the time, and it's a really difficult job. Because you're making these judgment calls where you need to determine whether or not someone's out. And that's not easy to do. You're in split-second situations. I don't envy these guys at all. But yeah. if you put your hand on a fighter, even if the other fighter's coming back to life and he's ready and he's th throwing back, the fight is over. Don't yeah, pretend that yeah. it's not. Yeah. Like, it makes yeah, you look terrible. I have we, we see a lot of that with glory because there's no standing eight counts, right? So what happens now, referees call a lot of fights that have standing eight counts right we so saw one in a recent as soon fight as they see someone rock they, they step in and they stop they're like what the heck are you doing man yeah. like well, how are you stopping that like even with me in my early glory i, I rocked kareem gaji with like a spinning back fist and he was going out on his feet the ref split us up gave it a count but i mean like i would have knocked him out like five right. seconds later if you let me continue to go but instead you stopped it you gave him a second it was it was a mistake i still got the win and the finish at the end but you could have screwed up because I needed to finish to go to Japan to be able to fight nice. Raymond Daniels and Holtzkin. So my whole goal, and with like 20 seconds left, I tried to get the finish. And then him calling that count kind of screwed it up. So and I it messes with finish, your mentality, but... your mindset. Because yeah. you're like, you know that that's not the rules of the sport. So, I mean, it happens a lot where they step in and they're, they're not sure. But there should be no, uh, no mistake for Herb, who's been, been there for so long. Just make the decision. Herb makes a lot of mistakes. It. He makes a lot of mistakes. Simple as. You know, like I can't. I, I can't let the guy off the hook. He's, he referees more often than not. He does a good job, right? Like, I mean, like most refs should do. why he, he makes mistakes? Because we just see him more, so I think he's the problem there is more often? He or? gets in his own head. Like, he's a human being, right? Like, and there's ego involved. He's a human being. But I think that when he makes a mistake, and he made a mistake earlier in the night during that Song Yudong fight versus Arce, he didn't step in fast enough. And then yeah. Yudong's landing on Arce, and he steps in, and Arce looks at him. He's like, yeah, I was done, right? Like, yeah. So when that happens to you and you're a referee, it messes with your head because you want to be as sharp as possible. And then yeah. when you make a mistake, it can come back later in the night. Like, it can just mess with your brain. And it's happened to Herb on, on – I know on certain occasions he has had cards where he makes more than one mistake a card. Yeah, it's almost like uh, you make that mistake and you can't get it out of your head almost, you know? Like, even as an athlete, like, it's one of the most important things. He's got to be in the zone. Like, you may have had a bad earlier fight. you got to refocus, you right. know I mean? And these refs have egos, and that's the problem, right? Like, if I was Herb and I made a mistake earlier in the night, and I, and I worry that, you know, in the past, these kind of things have snuck up on me, and, you know, I've, I've you know, I, I, maybe I've jumped in too soon or something, I'm trying to overcorrect the steering wheel, maybe you go to the commission and say, listen, I, I'm, I'm in my own head right now, I need to take a step away. There was a referee, I think it was Leon Roberts. Was it Leon Roberts? Yeah, like, that. Leon Roberts made an error in a fight, and he took basically a leave of absence because he wanted to clear his head as yeah, a referee. Yeah. Yeah, and no, I think I that that's that. like the right thing to do, right? Like you, you gotta acknowledge that you're human, and you, you know, like I, I think that a lot of the time these guys they make a mistake and they they can't get over it quickly, and they, and then they're also criticized, right? Like we're all human. We go on social media and you see people talking about you. You want to see what people are saying, and it gets in your head and it affects you, and it can, can be very upsetting. And I'm sure that that yeah. Herb Dean has to deal with that, and he probably hates it. He probably goes on his Twitter. He has a Twitter account. He probably goes on Twitter and people are. The, you know, demolishing him. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's tough. I, I I get it, but uh, yeah, that's the job that you signed yeah. up for. Like if I'm a referee, I'm not on social media. Forget that. I'm not yeah. on any social media. 
But I, I like the idea of ownership, though. But I they mean, never I take ownership. They never know, take ownership, I, Joe. But it's almost the commission doesn't allow it. Like, I don't know if the commission well, the they work for will it's allow It's like an unspoken rule. These judges yeah. and these referees aren't allowed to talk to people about these things, and then we then they just linger. Like, why can't Herb Dean be interviewed after and say, Herb, you stepped in a little early. What was your mindset going in? At least he has a time to explain himself, right. you know, being like, listen, he was there, but we know I know how tough Ben is, so I let Ben go. Like, let him at least speak his mind about it. I think there should be ownership for it, you know, or a judge after, like, interview the judge and say, hey, you had it 30-27 the other way from the other two judges. What did you see that maybe we didn't right. see? 100%. And people Ownership, have been calling this you know? for a while, but they, they never do it. And I don't know if it's a commission thing or if the judges I don't want to talk. I think it's the commission that's more like, don't, you're not allowed yeah. to do this. If I'm or a judge don't or I'm a referee, it. I'm not on Twitter. Like, I, you got to get off Twitter. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, that's terrible. It, it's affecting your job. It's affecting how you, do, how you perform at your job. But it's, it's also a job where probably 50% of the people are going to hate you, whether you did a good night or a bad night. You know, like, yeah. if he stepped in too early... What's going to happen? Uh, you stepped in too early. Right. You're a crappy referee. He stepped in late. He wasn't sure. He messed up anyways. Right. He got it. If he let it go too long, and then he's a terrible referee for letting it go too long. So That's why you in get off any social situation, media. 50%, and you're not on <laughs> just, social media. Just live well. Living well is the best prevent. Just, just go and live your life. Don't yeah. worry about what people say. It's hard. To, listen, being a referee is not an easy job. I would suck at it. Yeah. I would hate to be a referee. Can you imagine? Yeah. That's a terrible job. Those fast yeah. decisions. Like, that's why I, I admire these guys. Like it's, it's, it's really difficult to get in there. Like you're... These are life and death situations, and you have and you have to make a split second call that can affect yeah. someone's entire life. But Herb can come out and say, "Listen, guys, they're two heavyweights, 260 pounds, swinging at each other. I have to kind of touch them and take a step back. I don't know, like make something up, but at least have an option to kind of or, or make own up it. A Just story. say, "Listen, I I stepped in, I I stepped in. I thought he was out. I looked down and looked like he was still in, and I took a step back. And I probably shouldn't have done that, and I should have just stopped the fight. Yeah, yeah that's all. Probably get more respect Easy. for him from us, 100%. right?" Yeah, yeah. Own up to it. Yeah, give them the opportunity to own up to it. Yeah, that's it. But poor, poor uh, Herb Dean. I mean, when was this last big mistake? Is it like, uh, it's something God, that's happened? I've lost count every at this point few in time. Is that yeah, much, I've eh? lost count at this point in time. And again, I'm not trying to slag the guy. It's not an easy job. But yeah. listen, like you, you make mistakes in this job, and it's fine. But these mistakes are put under a microscope, and it's just right, the way so it is. Aaron Bronstetter has a fight. You get to pick the referee. Who is it? Jason Herzog. Yeah. How often did the, the when was the last time I can tell you the last time people good talked pick. about Jason like Herzog. That. And I don't even disagree with Herzog in this situation. It was Anthony Smith against Glover. Remember when Glover was beating the hell out of Anthony Smith for like five yeah. rounds, prolonged rounds, yeah. and Herzog was there every but Herzog was seeing the things that you want to see from a fighter who's defending himself. Smith was did moving. It, he was didn't blocking. Montoya get in trouble for that after then? It was more the Yeah, the, they, yeah the, it was the corner for not stopping. Yeah. But Anthony Smith said basically I told my corners that if they stop my fight, I'm not working with them again. Right, yeah, yeah. so it's like, yeah. and Smith didn't, didn't blame Herzog for not stopping the fight, and Smith's the one taking the damage. But Smith was moving, right? Like it's not a terrible. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, Herzog, but that makes sense. Herzog, yeah, I'd probably, I think, I'd the, probably pick with him. I think too. he's yeah, the, probably... the best referee in the sport consistently. Yeah. And you know, yeah. Josh Rosenthal's really good too. But I know he went to jail and he hasn't been refereeing. I think he's. I don't know if he's still with Nevada, but he was always a really good referee. I thought. Yeah, the the big guy's pretty good too with the with the beard. I don't mind him. Which guy, Mike Beltran? Mike Beltran. Yeah, yeah but Gaethje had a big issue with him this okay. pa- on this past card. I don't know if you heard my interview with Gaethje where he was – basically nine minutes of it was talking about this one thing that happened with Mike Beltran. Uh, what was the one thing so, without going so, too um, far into y- it? You'll remember. It was uh, when Gaethje got poked in the eye. It, okay. was, it was 15 seconds left, I think, in the second round. Gaethje got poked in the eye. 
Beltran yelled timeout or something and didn't step in between the two fighters, and Chandler took a shot and nailed him. And okay, then Beltran yes. was like, time, time, time. But Beltran wasn't in position. But then the other yeah. thing that happens is, is Gaethje looks at Beltran. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, you know, like, I just took a shot, like, for, for no reason. Like, you got to get in there. And because, yeah. like, these referees, again, have egos. You don't want the guy to tell you how to do your job. He looks at Gaethje and goes, are, he's like, are you okay? And Gaethje goes, no, I just got poked in the eye. And he goes, are you okay? He says it again. And Gaethje's like, yeah, I guess. And he's like, okay, let's fight. And Gaethje wasn't ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. He, so okay. he handled it in, improperly, and Gaethje was upset about it because he's like, "Listen, this is a fight where like that was a close fight. It was three rounds. Like anything can happen, mm-hmm. right?" Like, and he goes, "I don't blame Chandler for taking the shot at me. The referee wasn't in position." Of course, yeah. It, like yeah. it looked like a cheap shot at the time, but it's like the referee needs to get in there, and that's like the same thing that happened. Remember at UFC, I think it was UFC two hundred eight with Holm versus Durandame for the title, and Durandame won, and Durandame landed like these bombs after the at the end of the two of the rounds. She landed big yeah. shots. And they had this, like, local referee that was refing the main event. Like, it made no sense. It was, like, a New York... A guy that you... A referee you wouldn't normally see. And Durandame was, like, landing... Landed these big shots after the bell. But it's it's not her fault. The referee is in charge of getting in between them. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you yeah. can't hold her accountable for it. It's the ref's fault. Yeah. It seems like there's always an issue with judges or refs, so... But I think it's I, human I error as it. well. That's what it's it is. human it's just, nature. It's human it's... error, and we're dealing with something that's a really fast sport happening in real time. No replays. You know, you don't get to see the stats of the judge. Like, there's just a lot of different things. And the way that people watch it on the broadcast is so different from how a judge sees it at cage side. They can really hear the impact of the strikes or see the impact or see facial, you know, things that people on camera, for whatever reason, if the angle's off, can't see how somebody winces if they get kicked to the body. Like, you just, there are these nuances the judges will notice cage side and then if you have the, the commentators like oh that like that, that that shot was blocked or but you know the commentators doing the best they can do also but it sways how people watch the fight it biases people like i mean i i challenge anyone i mean if you have been to when you watch mma on tv okay it's cool you hear the shots you hear the thudding when you are ringside cage side whatever you want to be and all of a sudden you hear like you're right by some ground and pound it is one of the scariest things to be two, three feet apart from. Like to hear the sound of a four-ounce glove smacking a head, yeah, elbows with the smashing, canvas also like, underneath. It, it. is yeah. scary. Mm-hmm. Like, like so. I mean, someone who, as a referee, yeah, they're they're used to it. They're there, but like, it's still to me after so many years hearing someone get ground and pounded with punches and elbows, like. And hearing the seeing them cover up, like I'd be one of those. I'd be jumping in too soon all the time, you know, like because it's still like right. a oh, like the sound, the you see the blood, the elbows dropping. It's scary, even though the guy's okay. It's still a a tough position to as even as an experienced martial artist to hear those positions and to hear the sound of the beatings that happen like that. So I would step in early. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be taking just a refereeing game. course soon. I'm not trying to get credentials or anything but I'm, i just want to see what they are they're looking for i want to learn yeah. what they learn. Yeah, you're studying well you're you've read all the documents you're 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 basically judging every single fight every single round i think it's a good move for you mm-hmm. that's my job right like it it's important to be listen I, I think a lot of the people that cover the sport are looking for good headlines and they're looking for you know juicy i don't care as much about that kind of stuff right like i i don't need to do it like i, I kind of like i've said to people i have the luxury of getting to cover the sport in the way that i think is the best way to cover it because i'm not yeah. at the mercy of clicks and things like that so it, it makes it a lot easier for me to look at the sport objectively and interview the fighters about what i think is something is you know interesting to me you know i, I don't need to get them 
talking smack about people and getting quotes and you know, at, at the end of the day i'm sure that's fine and it's good and i've got no problem with people who do that but it's just like i i kind of have the luxury to kind of cover it in the way that i see fit which is great like i, I love that tsn empowers me to do that like that, that they're not they're not you know if you look at a lot of these websites that are just mma websites they they need the ad revenue they need the clicks they need all that stuff i'm a very small cog in a very big machine right like yeah. so that's that, that's kind of a, a big advantage for me in terms of covering the sport I think it's uh, also. I think it's also that important that your tweets are after each round are, are getting on national television, and I think the fact that people are looking at your scores, and I think it's important that you go in with the most educated way. So I think it's the best uh, the best thing you can do for your your position as a journalist. Yeah, I think I think uh, Bisping said said my name uh, this week when I, one of my scorecards came up. So shout out to shout out to yeah, Big Mike who just uh, got yeah. an epidural recently. Yeah, I saw he's getting some eye surgery. Uh, I think it was neck. I think it was discs in his, his neck, neck or something. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was his eye. He had some eye doctor on the other day. Yeah, he's got this, some everything this going on. falling apart. He's getting into the 40s. <laughs> he's got more. I think he's had more surgeries than anybody in the UFC. Between it's him and Chris possible. Weidman oh, yeah. are probably up there. Crazy. Very possible. Yeah, I, I, I bet he probably hit, doesn't remember all the surgeries he's had. He's had that many at this point in time. Oh, no, no way he remembers. All right. Animal. What else do we got? Uh, Felicia Spencer back in the win column. Uh, she finally fought her fight. Like, that was the way that she should have fought that fight. And that's the way she should have fought against Norma Dumont, in my opinion. But uh, she kind of explained to me. I spoke to her last week, and she said, like, when she was fighting Dumont, she was thinking too much about what was going to happen after the fight. She yeah, wasn't focused yeah. on having fun in there. She was just thinking about, like, what's going to happen after the fight? What's next? You know, like, just thinking too far ahead and, like, not enjoying putting in the work and not enjoying getting in the cage. And she said that, that she like has kind of worked through that and going into this fight, she was going to take yeah. a bit of a different approach. I love the, I love the, the corner work too, being like, come on, Felicia, finish it up. Like, I mean, you have mm -hmm. an opportunity, yeah. like you're talking round three, 30 seconds left. She still went for the finish. She just put the, the statement on it, got the finish. She knew she had it. So that's what you want ever go for finishes. Yeah. So and I like, the, and she wants like this division to stick around, effort. I'm sure. Yeah, that last little bit of effort to get the finish, I think, I mean, means uh, she could have won in either way. We're talking about how she won. But the fact that she went for the finish, uh, to me, just shows uh, the respect. You're a finisher. Go for it. It's I'm curious fight. how many fights she has left on her contract because I think that will say a lot about what happens with the future of that division. Like, I think if you're going to keep bringing Felicia Spencer back, you have a division, right? Like, Norma Dumont is now fighting in that division. Aspen Ladd moved up. I don't know if she's going to stay at 45 or go back to 35. You know, like there, Leah Letson wants to stay at forty-five. So there's still like some fighters now that want to stay in this division. So would, I would like a Kayla Harrison, Felicia Spencer make sense in oh, the future sure. kind of thing. For sure, for sure. That, that would almost that would be, a be great the, first the May, fight for her. That would be the perfect first fight, I would think. But Again, different weight classes. I don't though, think. Right? No, no. Kayla's gonna move to forty-five. She's gonna go to forty-five. Yeah. She has to, right? Well, not if she stays at the PFL. She doesn't have to. But if she goes to Bellator or the UFC, she has to go to forty-five. But I think I Felicia think Spencer would be great. I, I think that would be a fantastic fight. I don't know if Kayla's going to end up going to the UFC, honestly. But I, I hope – I don't know. I think I think it's more likely she ends up in Bellator at this okay. point in time. But who knows? Like, yeah. I'm I, talking I to hope, her tomorrow. I hope it's the UFC, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm talking to her tomorrow. She's the hottest free agent right. on the market. Let's see what happens. That's it. I would like for it to be the UFC too, but every time I bring her up to Dana White, he's like, "Oh, she, she can't fight our girls. She, she was not gonna. She's not good enough." I'm thinking like, but is that you don't have a division tactics? Like you have That's no, tactics, you don't have a division. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, he's building building hype. What right? would the odds she be if she fought Felicia Spencer? If Harrison fought Felicia Spencer, she'd be a minus six hundred favorite. 
really that high? I yeah, think so. I guess so. I think so. Yeah. And it's not a knock on Felicia. It's just I think that Kayla Harrison is. I think. Listen, if Kayla Harrison was facing Amanda Nunes and Cyborg at the current odds that she has, I would be taking Harrison in both those fights. Really? Undoubtedly. Okay. All right. Undoubtedly. Okay. She's the future then, eh? Well, That's listen, it. she's an underdog in both those fights. I yeah. think that I think that against Cyborg, she was, I think she beats this Cyborg, this version of Cyborg. I think she beats. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think her grappling and versus the striking would mm-hmm. be able to kind of negate it. Yeah. And I think against Nunes, Nunes is not a big forty-fiver. Like I've seen, I've seen Amanda when she's putting on weight to be a forty-fiver, and she's like, she's pretty like big, like she's wide, but I don't like she's got broad shoulders and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. I like, I just think Harrison would be a lot bigger than her. They train together and they're friends, right? So that's the, one of the big impediments of of signing Kayla Harrison is that they're gonna have to face each other. Yeah, but I mean, I just think the way Amanda Nunez cracks, I think it's uh, it's a lot. I mean, that's that's why we're all excited about it. It's such a good matchup. Right. And Amanda Nunes has a judo background too, right? So it's not like she'd be a fish out of water in a lot yeah, of these grappling I, positions. Remember, like MMA, there's judo, there's grappling, there's wrestling, and then there's MMA grappling. Then right. there's MMA judo. Then there's MMA striking. So, I mean, you can be the, the greatest jiu-jitsu black belt in a gi, but now do no-gi jiu-jitsu. You're probably a blue belt. You know, it's mm-hmm. completely different. So, yeah, it's uh, the talk. I think money will talk, but I think that fight needs to kind of happen. I hope, anyways. Most impressive guy on the card, in my opinion, was Joel Alvarez. I mean, he missed weight, which kind of takes away from that a little bit. But, man, like him, him getting a finish against Thiago Moises on the feet, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Like, I, you know, I think a lot of people... Moises was ranked recently, right? He might still be yeah. ranked. Um, yeah. But Joel Alvarez, this guy looks better and better every single time he fights. I'm really impressed by him. I, I just hope that he can make weight. He missed weight twice in a row. He was, what, a 2-1 to one underdog, basically, going into yeah. that fight? Yeah, and, he was the one that messed up my parlay for me. Well, I, I was saying to Dan Tom when we first started, like before we did, when we did our preview, I go like, logic would dictate that Moises is going to be able to beat Alvarez anywhere this fight goes. If it goes to the ground, Moises has you know, high BJJ credentials. And if it's on the feet, that's where Moises is really good too. But I said, every time Alvarez fights, he looks better and better and better. He goes, I, I said, like, I don't feel safe taking Moises at that price. I said, I just, I, I don't. Know. I think that Alvarez is a guy who's really been, um, again, improving every time out. Yeah, and what did he miss by about two, three pounds? One, wasn't and, a half, it? one and a half pounds. One, okay, not bad. Okay, so still, but looked good. Yeah, regardless, yeah, I this like was a great style. card, honestly. Like, what I, about Chaos Williams? Did you think he was one of the storylines of it, or? Well, he looked great. I mean, Miguel Baez is not an easy out, and Chaos Williams looked fantastic. I mean, he was taking some big leg kicks in that fight. Like, like that was Leg yeah. Kick City that Baeza was landing uh, early on. And I thought that was going to be the difference. I thought he was going to just wear Chaos Williams out uh, as the fight continued to go. I just thought that those leg kicks were going to neutralize him completely and take away his power, but nope. One of my favorites uh, was, to be honest, like from a technical standpoint, I really enjoyed uh, Sean Woodson's finish. Yeah, I was going to say, Woodson's probably on your list. Yeah. His ability, the way he switched stances, the way he was kind of using straight punches to set up the body, he mixed in good knees. I actually sent it because his style that he's working is something I almost working exactly for one of my fighters fighting this weekend for BTC. So Who you got I on kinda, BTC this weekend? I have Ariel Zuniga. He's in the, the, the tournament. He's in the eight-man tournament. Cool. So, I have him there fighting. Uh, but, yeah, that style is something we worked on with the stance switching, the lateral tracking, the body shots. 
So I sent it to him. So Sean Woodson, man, got it done. I like that. So if that Ariel's opponent shot. is listening to this show, make sure you watch the Sean Woodson fight so you, you know what yeah, you're you getting can, into. Yeah, you can try, man. You can try. <laughs> they still think uh, they still think my fighter trains at his old gym. So that's cool. Hmm. They have no idea what's coming. When they see Bazooka walking out with him and then <laughs> everybody be holding their breath. Everybody in the whole arena, they're, they're going to be in the presence of greatness. What? Yeah, the there you only go. Hall of Famer from Glory. That's it. I'm gonna get the shirt done. I'm gonna make sure it's there. <laughs> what but, kind of uh, shirt? Just the shirt. That ah, says... just being uh, inaugural Hall of yeah. Famer. That's it. Yeah. So everybody knows. Yeah, exactly. And you're the only one who will own the shirt. Just make one of them. One of one. <laughs> exactly. There you go. That should be your nickname, actually. One of one. Instead of bazooka. Like one of one. Joe Valtellini. Yeah. It only takes one, but I'm the one of like one. Like a human uh, NF, uh, NFT. One of one. One of one. I like it. Mark Diacasey upset me a little bit. I mean, he went out against uh, Crazy Alves. See, I said that. I said that one before the event yeah. too. I said you called Alves was a big underdog, and I said, listen, you know, Diacasey hasn't been training at the same places. He's training. He's been back in the UK for two years. I just didn't like the layoff. I and I think Alves is underrated. I really do. Yeah. One of my favorite things from the event though was I think what of the eleven fights, nine finishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, nine finishes. The main event mm-hmm. was a decision, and uh, and uh, sorry, Courtney Casey, Leanna Jojua was a decision. If you would have asked me before the card which two fights were going to go to the decision, those are probably the two I would have picked. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have a fight night with not the strongest of cards, when you get finishes, this made it a fun card. What did you think of I mean, Calvillo stopping between rounds two and three? Um, I don't mind it. I mean, I'm always torn. I'm always torn. I'm uh, I'm an old school fight to deaths but if you're not if you don't have a chance to win you're getting lit up i don't mind it to be honest with you i i think we could almost use more of it with the modern day um so yeah i'm okay with it to be honest with you i think it's uh it was the right move she wasn't getting getting it done she was just getting tagged up so what about you yeah i, I think that she was done like i mean what's the yeah, point she wasn't, gonna she wasn't gonna win she wasn't gonna win. she wasn't gonna win no way and I mean, yeah. you know that. I just think that since she stopped working with Justin Buckles, she hasn't been as good of a fighter. And I don't know what I don't know what's going on with Justin. Like I, I, I don't know what he used to be like pretty active on social media. He's not really anymore. I, I think he might have moved back to Alaska or something. I have no idea. But she's lost three in a row now. And prior to that, she had only lost one fight. So she moves to flyweight, and uh, and now she's like one and three at flyweight, right? So, you know, I, I don't think that. Uh, she can't, I don't think she can make straw weight in a healthy fashion, so she kind of has to stay at flyweight. But if you remember, like somebody posted a picture on social media. I, I wish I could credit who it was, but it was like pictures of Cynthia Calvillo being anointed as like the next big thing. Her going on Dana White's private jet and like you know them talking about how she was like this next big fighter, but it just never happened. It never clicked. Well, I mean, I think I don't know. I think with her, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is exactly, but if you're the big boss man, Dana White. And you have people giving up, not really, I wouldn't call it giving up, but the situation that happened. Would you be upset if you're Dana White now? Well, we know how he reacts to this kind of thing. He wasn't asked about it, but I I would have liked to hear him. No, he wasn't asked about it. I would have liked to hear his reaction to it. Because I think that would be the big determining factor. If Dana turns around and goes, you know, I kind of respect the corner for doing that. She took too much shots. Or if he goes, come on, guys, it's a fighting sport. You get That's paid he to would fight. Say. So I kind of want to know <laughs> what he would say from it. I know he's going to say, but maybe, I don't know, maybe his mind has changed a little bit on athlete safety and fighter. But I would assume he would say, like, what the heck? Why are you stopping? Chance to win. You don't give up. 
But I mean, I don't mind it personally, but I'm also not the owner of the UFC. Yeah, I don't know if they keep Calvillo uh, on the roster. She's 34, lost three in a row, has not looked good in those three fights. She got stopped in her last two, right? She hadn't been stopped, I don't think, ever before that. She had not, uh, even as an amateur. So, I don't know. I, I just don't know what is going to be left for her to do in the UFC. Well, I'd like to see her bounce back. I've always liked I've liked interviewing course, her. Yeah. I've liked talking to her. I think she's a great fighter. But these last two fights have not been great. Yeah, what was I was just reading, too. Is it... Uh... There was something about what are the other is it Nico Montanos? There's something going with her as well, right? What about Nico? Yeah, there was something I was reading about her being uh, leaving the UFC or something. Oh, she got cut. She got cut after missing weight for her last fight. Okay. Right. Basically, like the following week. Yeah. So she's she hasn't been in the UFC for a while. She actually Damon Martin did a really good interview with her this week that I would recommend if uh, you want to hear um, want to hear her. I, I watched a documentary about her, basically about her weight cut during the Shevchenko fight. And, Where like, was that career. played? Because I heard a few people mentioning it now. It was played at some festivals, um, and I got a screener for it. And it's it's really well done, but the problem is you can tell that they basically exploited her. Like, that they told her that it was going to be about, like, um, her being, like, a, uh, an icon in the Native community and, and all this. Because it looked like that was the direction they were going in when the movie started. And then suddenly it just became about her weight cut and about her issues cutting weight and about... It's basically a hatchet job on the UFC and the PI and Clinton Wattenberg oh, works okay. for the PI. Like, it just became... Bashing the UFC. And they would not send her a link to the movie before it went to festivals. Like, they wouldn't send her a screener. She couldn't watch hmm. it. It's odd. So she signed all her rights away they for Signed her rights guess, away, so. and they basically boxed her out of it because they knew that she wasn't going to like it. And they just Jeez. went with it anyway. So it's like cutthroat. And uh, and now, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Nico, but, you know, Nico said she'd love to fight in the UFC again to Damon, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. No. Always so. But she said the PFL is interesting to her at, at 155 pounds or, or Bellator at 145 pounds. She's, she feels like she needs to move up another division. Well, get on it. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. She, she's planning on training with uh, Henry Cejudo out in, uh, in Everybody's good training yeah, with fight Henry ready Cejudo. With Eddie Jeez. Shaw and, uh, and uh, Coach Jones. Eric Albaracine, Captain Eric Albaracine. Yeah. John, John Jones officially made it his new team, or he I think just he's just I think he's just doing it. some cross training there. Yeah, looks good. I, I mean, who else would you kind of want to work with? There's got some success in behind right. his name. Yeah, for I sure. think it'll be a, a big mega camp in the future for sure. Very possibly. I mean, Eddie Shaw used to work with um, MMA Lab with uh, John Crouch. He was one of the coaches there. And so you've got guys like you've got Korean Zombie training there. Paulo Costa was training there for a bit. Um, Wei Lee was there. Wei Lee was there. I think the Pitbull brothers trained there from time to time. Like yeah, it's a pretty pretty stacked camp. Up. Yeah, you, I mean, uh, yeah, and with the way Cejudo fights his IQ, the years of experience, I think he'd be a fantastic coach. So I think it's a a good move for his business. Absolutely. Um, all right. Anything else from that card stand out to you? Or I think we we've covered all the bases. Yeah, it's pretty good. There's definitely a few fights on this upcoming card I'm excited for. Now why don't we why don't we hit that then? I can't believe how much Let's time has passed, Joe. We've been talking for some time already. Yeah. That, that card gave us a lot of uh, a lot of things to digest. That's it. But uh yeah, I'll start with the fight I'm most excited for on this upcoming card. And let me no guess surprise. it. Can I guess it? You know what it is. Go, let me hear it. Michael Chiesa versus Sean Brady. For sure. Yeah, I'm a Sean Brady guy. I like his style. I like the way he fights. I, I think uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm surprised that he's uh, a pretty, I would say not huge, he's but a sizable he's a favorite. good size favorite. Yeah. yeah. If, considering the opponent, he's a sizable considering favorite. Considering the opponent, yeah. I, if you would have gave me, let me pick the odds on this, I probably would have reversed it and put Michael Kies as the favorite. Mm -hmm. 
So are you going to be taking Kiesa then? I know you like Sean Brady, but I mean, good value on Kiesa. It's it's one of those fights where, I mean, I like Brady, but based on the odds and the way the positive money is for Kiesa, I like Kiesa by decision. Hmm, yeah, I was thinking of looking at just like fight goes to a decision is plus money. I was thinking of just looking at that, but Kiesa by decision is plus 330. Brady by decision is plus 300. Because yeah, you think Brady maybe has a little bit of the advantage on the feet, you would say? Where Kiesa may be stronger grappler, but we know Brady's grappling is strong. Kiesa can crack pretty good. So it's honestly, to me, this is should be more of a pick em. Yeah, Kiesa's improved so much, though. I mean, that last fight wasn't a great indicator of where he's at. The one against Luke, where Luke caught him in the darts. Because that was looking like a pretty close fight up until that yeah, point yeah. in time. So yeah, I don't no, know. I like, I like Kiesa. Like, I kind of like Kiesa at this price, too. But I, I also know how good Sean Brady is, right? So it's kind of mm-hmm. tough. And he was out last time. He had a big fight against who? It was a right. great fight. Yeah, he had. He did someone a... like a very big name that he had yeah. to pull out. Was it? It wasn't Shemaev, was it? No, it wasn't Shemaev. Uh, let me pull it up. I'll find out. Because it was a very big fight. Yeah, it was a big opportunity surprised. for him. Was it Kevin Lee? Maybe I think it was Kevin Lee. Yes, yes, yeah. Kevin Lee. Just... And then he ended up. Uh, he had somewhat staff, was it? Let or me someone... see if it says here on top. What did Sean Brady have that? Brought Kevin him out of he was it. supposed to fight Kevin Lee on two occasions. Lee had a rib injury the first time, and then the last time, yeah, Brady had an injury. I don't know what it was. Yeah. I didn't even have to look that one up. I remembered it, but I was in the process of looking it up, and it came up. So that would have been a big opportunity. And I think Kiesa is kind of fight. a similar type of situation. A guy who's had success moving up from 55 to 70, kind of a smaller welterweight, although Kiesa is probably just a regular welterweight, welterweight right? Like, yeah. he's I honestly a big think guy. When I see him, I almost think he's a bigger of the welterweights now. The guy's huge. Yeah, I remember there like, was one week I was covering a fight. I might have told the story before, but I was covering uh, I forget who pulled out of the fight. It might have been um, the Habib and Ferguson fight, where Habib couldn't make the weight. It might have been that fight. And I saw Kiesa backstage, and I went up to him and I said, hey, would you have taken this fight if it was offered to you? He goes, I mean, yeah, but I weigh 192 pounds. <laughs> it yeah. was a 55 fight. This is fight, when right? he was like, lightweight. Yeah, that's when he was that lightweight. Yeah, this is when he was a lightweight, yeah. too. Crazy. The guy's massive. So that's like his almost 40 pounds arms. above 55, right? That was his walk-around weight. Yeah, that's insane. Like, I mean, usually I would say an average walk-around would be 30 pounds, maybe. Yeah, so he's probably 30, walking around to two bills 30. now, right? Like, oh, yeah. He's for sure over 200 now. I'll ask him. I'm talking to him today. I'm talking to him later today. Yeah. But a lot of times people lie about it. It's a fighter's lie thing, you know? For yeah. some reason, they don't want to tell the real number or, like, fight week. How much weight you got to cut? They're always a little lighter. It's it's. We'll see. I don't know. He seems like an honest guy since he's on a broadcast now. He doesn't really hide. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, he's, maybe he's, he'll tell he's you. one of my favorite guys to interview. I love talking to, Sean, to Michael Kies. I should have actually requested time with Sean Brady, but I didn't. Uh, I've got the Washington State trifecta that I'm talking to today. Uh, Misha Tate, Michael Chiesa, and Terrence McKinney. Oh, all, all rich little fighters. McKinney was the, the young kid who had that really emotional post-fight or something, that he was on the streets or something. Or... Um, well, yeah, it was a promo. It was how he basically got – he was – he took – I forget what drug it was. It was like meth Oh, it was or in something. drugs. And, and then yeah, like yeah. The, good, the, good the cops kid. tased him or something, and yeah. And he's come back. But he's, he's – I think he's had five, like – Finishes within the first minute of a fight. Like the guy's, the guy can crack. Yeah, it was super fast. I remember. Yeah, last against Favol, I think it was eight seconds or something. I don't remember. Along but this, the French guy he's fighting, I, I don't want to butcher his name. Was it Faraz Ziam? Yeah, yeah, something along those lines. Faraz Ziam. He's, uh, he's good. He's very the good. Kid's good. Very good. I fighter. mean, he reminds me. I believe I'm gonna say it. I say it every single time. I think I met him at one of the glories in France. Mm-hmm. I think he may have been either on an undercard or he was with one of the teammates there, and I, I met him. But Fernand the face, guy? I know. 
I think, I think so. Brand, yeah. But he looks so familiar to me. I, I've honestly felt like I've seen him. But uh, good. The kid's very good. The kid's good. So I'm interested in that fight for sure. Speaking of Fernand, did you see that video with uh, with Ngannou walking by with the guys in the hall? I loved that one. That one was good. <laughs> so awkward. With the quickest I was, glance. I felt awkward watching it. <laughs> It was so weird. Like, Francis, you can look, man. Just give a thumbs up, a props. Francis just cold face walk. It was like watching, like, the popular kid walk by. And these guys, yeah. you saw the look at Cyril Gunn's face. Like, what just happened there? Yeah, it was like a, a high school scene, like, yeah. in the hallway. Like, they're walking. They're standing at the lockers. And then you see Francis walking through. Yeah. Jeez. It was, uh, it was interesting. I, I love Cyril Gunn, though. He's just always smiling. He's always, he always looks like he's having the best time. Oh yeah. Even backstage, oh, yeah. he was singing, he was dancing. I was back there when uh, um, Imavov won, and uh, I was just like, he's just—he's always in the best mood, it seems. Yeah, I shared a dressing room with them in TKO, and they all had their French hip hop music going. Like it was fun. <laughs> They're—they're a good group. Yeah, it's a nice little group. Yeah. So well, I mean, he's the uh, interim champion. Come January, we got that uh, unification mm -hmm. fight. That's a big one. All right. Um, what else we got? So main event, Misha Tate, Ketlin Vieira. I'm kind of leaning Vieira here, honestly, but I don't really know. Like, I just, I still don't know what to get from Misha Tate at this point in her career, right? Like, she's come back. She had a great win in her return. But it was against somebody who was much older than she was. Yeah. And uh, Ketlin Vieira, Ketlin Vieira, the problem with her is that she's just so hit or miss. Like, sometimes she's on, sometimes she's not. And that, that is always what my concern is. And now you've got her in the main event where the big lights are going to be on her. I worry that she's not going to show up. Yeah, it just it's tough. This is a tough one to pick, like you said, because we don't really know Misha so well. She seems like she's on. She's in fantastic shape. She's got a new, you know, uh, take on the sport as an analyst, better IQ. Um, but yeah, I think Misha's experience could be something that plays well for her. You can think maybe she has a little bit of the advantage with the wrestling and grappling mm -hmm. in this fight. Yeah. So if I'm going to lean to something, I'm, I maybe take uh, Misha Tate by decision. If I was going to take anything here, it would be fight doesn't go to a decision. It's like plus 110. I think Submission? there's a finish in this fight. Fight doesn't go to a decision. Like, it doesn't go to the distance. Yeah. It's I, five rounds, right? Yeah, it's five rounds. Like, I, I think that's the way I would go for that particular fight. That'll probably be my TSN Edge recommendation for it is just that it doesn't go to a decision. All right. And it doesn't go to decision, but what are you leaning towards? Like in terms of who wins? Yeah. Probably Ketlin Vieira, but again, like there's just too many red flags for me to like make that a pick, yeah. right? Like yeah. if I was making a prediction, that would be my prediction, but I don't yeah. know. But yeah, if you're going to bet on this, I think you're right. A prop bet would probably be a little bit better. Yeah. Like Misha Tate gets snagged like a sneaky sub at some point in time in that fight, right? You know, I, I think Misha has more ways to win this fight, so I... But at the same time, I just think Ketlin is kind of a bigger, stronger, more physical fighter. So we'll see. Again, it's one of those situations where I just think that it's not going to go to a decision. Um, yeah. Well, we got Tyler Santos, a massive favorite against Joanne Calderwood. I'm really high on Tyler Santos, but this is a high price. Yeah, it seems like that. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's actually Joanne Wood, by the way. Not Joanne Calderwood. Joanne Wood. No, it's kind of cool that uh, your husband's name is just a sh half of your first name. There you go. It's not yeah. bad. Well, the rookies in the uh, NHL win the Calder Trophy. So she's not a rookie. In this. She's a veteran now. So you get rid of Calder. She's a veteran. Calder's out. There you go. Yeah. That's funny. So, she's uh, good. Yeah. That, I don't know, man. Like, Joanne Calderwood is good. But I've, I've been so high on Tyler Santos since she came to the UFC. She's somebody that I thought had really high potential. And somebody who I think will challenge for the title one day. So, I, I don't know. I, I, this is a total pass for me, honestly. 
Yeah, that's, me too, I think. Yanez is a guy I'm very high on. Minus 320 against Davy Grant. Another very Yanez high too. number. That, that's like, that, that kind of throws me off. Because yeah, I like Yanez in this too. But Yanez, I, I'm really high on Yanez. What's the Yanez KO prop? Yanez KO at plus 100, I think, is probably where I would go with this one. But Davy Grant is so tough that it makes it difficult. What about uh, Rani Yaha? Hani Yaya? It's Hani. Hani. Hani Yaya. Hani Yaya. Yeah. I like Hani, Hani better. Hey, Hani. Yeah. Hey, Hani. Uh, I like Kyung Ho Kong in that fight. Really? Yeah, I do. Why? Just the striking advantage? Well, Kyung Ho Kong is a really difficult guy to finish. Like, he's, he's just very creative in there. And I think that he'll have the advantage on the feet. And I think if it gets to the ground, he'll be able to do enough to escape. Like, I think that his, his ground game is good enough that Yaya... Like, Yaya usually outclasses a lot of people on the ground. But he also mm-hmm. takes his time. And I think that if he's going to take his time against Kyung Ho Kong, like, Kyung Ho is going to find a way to escape. So I, I actually like Kyung Ho Kong at even money in that fight. Yeah. That, that'll, be a re- that'll be a recommendation, too. All right. Another recommendation uh, will be Pat Sabatini, minus 135 against Tucker Lutz. I've been really impressed with Pat Sabatini. Okay. Trains with Sean Brady, those guys in Philadelphia. Uh, Lupi Godinez, too. She fights every weekend. Yeah, exactly. She's back. Does she back want to again. fight every week? I mean, she's got an easy path to victory in this one. Yeah, grapple. Just grapple, <laughs> grapple, grapple. Like Loma Lupunmi is awesome at Muay Thai, and I think Lupita's going to know that and should be able to take her down. One thing I'm looking at in that fight is the uh, the submission prop for Lupita is plus 500. Like that's uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like I, I'll probably look at Lupita inside on that uh, particular fight. This is what her third fight in almost two months. Uh, yeah. She yeah, did it, it'll be a record. Back. It'll be a record for the most fights in a certain duration yeah, of time. she did back-to-back weekends yeah. with the fastest. And, it was recently. and then now with that, that was like a month ago, yeah. not even probably. Hey, man, this insane. is the smart way to fight. You get through that first contract. And just get through get that first it, contract, yeah. look good, get and then you get that money. new contract. Yeah, very shocked. Another recommended play, uh, Iori Kileng, the Mongolian murderer against uh, oh. Cody Durden. Okay. That guy should not be the underdog in this fight. He should not be the underdog. Uh, and I like sorry. him by KO also. The uh, the KO prop is plus 650. Jeez. So My boy Sean Serrano yes, fighting. Yes, Sean Serrano. I, this guy, I don't know anything about the guy he's fighting. No. He's, I think Sean's taking this on last-minute notice too, I think. I think no, Sean had something fun? lined up, and his opponent is a late notice, if I'm not mistaken. But I might be wrong on that. But Sean Serrano is that big of a favorite is a bit scary because like, he hasn't had the best go in the UFC. Yeah, yeah. But I think his last one, he fought up weight. Yeah, yeah. Last yeah, minute. yeah. It was just one of those fights that gets you back. It was one of those motion. just to get in, kind of the back, just to get back, because he was in early, right? Yeah. And Luana Pinheiro, minus 450 against... I always get Luana Pinheiro confused with somebody. Who's the one that Randa Marcos fought? Is that Randa Pinheiro Marcos. or is that the other? There's Luana Pinheiro and Randa... Oh, that's the, an Aaron Bronstetter. Who's the person that Randa Marcos lost a disqualification to? Is it the name or is it the look? It's like they're two fighters. They were both in Contender Series. They have similar, they're the same weight class. They're both Brazilian. And I get them confused. And I don't know why. But one of them I really am high on and one of them I'm not high on. <laughs> like that's why I'm hanging out. Let me see. Random Marcos. I'm going to pull up my phone because my computer, for whatever reason, takes forever to load stuff. Um, let's see. She lost to, yeah, Luana Pinheiro. I will take Sam Hughes in this spot. At plus three forty, I am really? I I am not Straight high. Straight up. So Pinheiro is the one who beat uh, Stephanie Frausto on the Contender Series. Oh, so maybe Pinheiro is the one that I like. Who's the one that? No, that's no the the girl who be, that's not the girl who beat Frausto in the Contender Series. I don't think. It anyways, says, it says that it maybe. is. Maybe. Oh, maybe it didn't look like her. Anyways, 
because Stephanie Frost was my friend. Yeah. So I'm just kind of confused. I don't remember the girl, but she was the girl who beat Frosta was good. Yeah, that was, the, I so, thought it was yeah. very. She's good. the one who I think is good. Um, she was losing to Random Marcos though in that fight. There's another fighter that I just was not high on. It's uh, I forget what her name is, but she um, yeah, she beat like a, a judo based fighter that was friends with Ronda Rousey and like did not look impressive at all. And I said that they shouldn't sign her, and people freaked out on me. And then she's just like lost every fight since. But uh, I forget what her name is. But yeah, no. The, if this is the girl who beat, uh, yeah, Stephanie she looks really Cross, good. So yeah, she looks very good. Yeah, she looks so, very yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. So we're saying uh, this is her. The yeah, girl. this is her. Pinheiro. So I've got the wrong okay. person. She just did not right. look good against Ron- Random Marcos Pinheiro. Okay. But yeah, minus four twenty-five. She's definitely uh, yep. the betting odds favorite. Yeah, to Sam Hughes thinking the biggest favorite on the card. Notice. It looks like. Yeah. So yeah, there we go. I, I there was one fight where I'm like, is this? Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, the Kyung Ho Kong versus Ronnie Aya, like all the prop, there's no props up for it yet. So I'm, I'm wondering, if that fight get pulled or something, or is it on a different card? But I, I don't know. Either way, I hope that fight's on the card because that's an awesome fight. Are you talking about the the Grant and Yah? No, the Yah uh, the Yaya fight, Yaya versus Kyung Ho Kong. Oh, okay. I'm trying to pull out the events for this. This computer that I got for through work for whatever reason, I think it goes through our server, so like it takes forever to web for websites to load. It makes me crazy. But either way. I think we should. We, we can call this one, Joe. Is there any, any big news uh, this week that we, we missed out on? Mm, Cyborg got the win last know. week. That looked that was pretty easy for her. Uh, Aaron Pico yeah, looked good. Cyborg's big knockout. Pico going decision, I think, is good for him. Mm-hmm, I for think her. it's just the more rounds he gets, the more experience, the better. He's just not as exciting as a fighter training under Jackson Wink. And it's probably yeah, for the no. better for him because it'll it'll like improve his longevity in the sport. But yeah, I used to like watching when he was just come, kind of throwing bombs to the body and throwing like you know using using his crazy boxing and like yeah, it's not as fun. No. But at the same oh, time, the, uh, like I, I said, self preservation is more yeah. important. Yeah, I thought uh, Haspratt and uh, McDessey being booked was mm-hmm. an interesting fight. Yeah, it's a one, big fight for McDessey. Yeah, one trains in Montreal, one's from Montreal. Yeah, they they were both with uh, Faras at one point. Yeah, now they're. Getting I think Nasrat still is. Pardon me. Nasrat still is, I believe. He's still there. Yeah. Yeah. I think and GSP corners with him another too. team. Pardon me. I think GSP corners Nasrat also. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Great fight. Also, Tiago Santos versus Ankalaev, main event on March twelfth. Now that's a Ooh. fight. Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, coming up, Tiago uh, coming off of a win against. Uh, Johnny Walker, big big win for him. So that's gonna yeah. keep somebody in the uh, title picture in that division. And uh, I think Ankalaev will be like a plus three or like a minus three hundred, minus four hundred favorite in that. The Dagestani are coming slowly yeah. and surely. There's They're also coming. been a rumor that Gilbert Burns and Shemaev might be fighting. I keep hearing this rumor. I don't know yeah. if there's anything to I've it. I've heard that too. I've been hearing that too. I think it's the one that makes sense. To be honest with you, oh, I man, think it I makes might. sense. Here's the thing, that, and, and I got into into it with some people online. I don't know how much time you have for me to just run run through this with you, but run it through. So basically, like Leon Edwards, like everybody thinks Leon Edwards should get the next shot, but the guy hasn't beaten anybody who's in the rankings. The last guy you beat in the rankings is is uh, Luke, and that was like five years ago almost. Like, in order to get a title shot, you need to beat a top five fighter. Like, you need to beat somebody who's in the top five to get that shot. Like, everybody yeah. just thinks Leon Edwards should get the shot suddenly. Like I, his last wins against Nate Diaz, it was like, like a lightweight, and he yeah, and, yeah. and he had to go to a decision with him. The guy's not getting any finishes. He's not beating top guys. And I've got nothing against Leon Edwards. Like I'm not trying to slag Leon Edwards, but if you're gonna book Shemaev and Burns, if Burns beats Shemaev, Burns should be like right there to get a rematch with with Usman, in my opinion. Like I, yeah, it, it's fair. a risky fight for him to take. And then if Shemaev beats Burns, 
who I believe is currently the number two ranked guy in the division he behind Colby. Shot. You got to give him the shot, right? Yeah. You got to give yeah. him the shot. Yeah. I mean, but I think with Edwards, the problem is it's one bad luck not getting the fights in here. But I, if I just heard Masvidal's out against Edwards. Masvidal's out so against Edwards. So can't Shemaev and now Leon Edwards. Shemaev said he wanted rebook? to take that fight, but Edwards says, no, I'm gonna just going to enjoy the holidays. I was going to say rebook that fight then. I was going to say that's the time to rebook that then. Listen, uh, you're in the promotion business here. Leon Edwards is not going to draw flies. I'm sorry. It's just like I I hate to say it, but the guy has done nothing to build himself up over the years as a draw. And, like, that's an important part of the sport. So Gilbert Burns, by taking a risky fight against Shemaev, like, it's a high-risk, high-reward fight because if he loses, I don't know if he'll ever get a title shot again. And, yeah, but but the, that's why Masvidal was perfect because they had the fight, the slapping, the beef. It, right. it created a story. It's the for Leon one Edwards. intriguing fight for Leon Edwards at, at, at this yeah. time. Yeah, it sells itself. Yeah, yeah. It's it. So again, I'm not trying to slag Leon Edwards, but I just think people need to look at it from a promotional standpoint and think like, how, like What's who's going to be interested in this fight? What's the sell here? Because Usman has a win over Edwards too. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, get in his head. You got to talk to him. Give him a call. Yeah, so, I come mean, on, Leon, listen, I think, I think he knows. I, it's like, I, but I, I don't know. Like, because if I'm Leon Edwards, I'm just taking the Khamzat fight and I'm getting a title shot with a win, right? Yeah, like, that's that's the fastest way for his title. 100%. Fastest or or a win over Burns or something. Like, you got to face somebody in the top five. You got to be the top five guy. Yeah, I would think I would think those one of those guys. Or Luke even. Uh-huh. Luke just went to go make weight for the last event. I'm sure Luke would face Edwards. What do you hear about notice? people calling saying Wonder Boy now? If he wins, he could be in for a shot. You know, like nah, is Wonder Boy in a mix? No, he's not in a mix. Okay, that's what I think too. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, how am I hearing people talk? He just that? lost to Burns. Like, yeah, but I mean, they're talking about Burns had a shot. It, Wonder Boy well, has in like playing the I that MMA it, match. I think it's more about Usman than it is anybody else because that's like people are just looking for unique matchups for Usman at this point in time. They just want to face. I think Wonderboy would be fun. Like, I mean, yeah, does sure. he deserve it? I fun don't know, fight, but it'd be fun. Sure. It'd be interesting. But you need to have merit here. Yeah. But, see, I'd uh, like to see Hamzat against Wonderboy. Against Wonder fighting Boy. who this, in, in the last, next month? Wonderboy Wonder facing Boy's... Bilal Muhammad. Yes. Yeah, that's not a win that gets him into that title talk yet. No. For Bilal, it moves him up probably into the top five, top for ten. Sure. Maybe, maybe top five conversation now yeah oh yeah but uh, it Definitely. doesn't do anything for wonder boy in title i don't think no and i think wonder boy will probably be favored in that fight yeah i would think so yeah. in fact the odds might already be up for it let's see december 18th nope no odds for that just yet mm-hmm. but if i was opening that fight i'd be opening it like wonder boy probably like minus 160 yeah something yeah, in that I'd range so yeah well i'm just hoping we've had three fantastic cards with crazy main events i just hope uh Misha Tate scraps it out. Let's see if we can get another fourth, almost fight of the year in a row. It's been crazy. Yeah, so what is your fight of the year right now? Like, if you had to pick one fight. I would probably, I think I yelled the most during Gaethje and Chandler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I yelled the most. Like, my, my reaction, ah, 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 jumping up and screaming by <laughs> myself, I think I got most of that out of that fight. And I'll say, yeah. I rewatched it, and I liked it more the second time. Yeah, <laughs> I screamed still. I was like, oh, yeah. oh. when the uppercut lands, I'm still yelling, ah, no, he's out. No, like I got most excited for that. So I think that for sure. All I right. That's winning. Well, I got to let you go, Joe. I know you got stuff yes, to do. Sir. We got uh, I got some interviews right to prep for. So uh, TSN MMA Show Interview Edition will be up tomorrow. Kayla Harrison and, uh, like I said, the uh, the trio from Washington State, uh, Misha Tate, Michael Chiesa, and uh, Terrence McKinney. 
thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back next week. All right. We'll see everyone soon. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.